everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have another, um, I don't want to say if it's exciting or cringeworthy episode today, but we will be definitely talking about something that was very cringe that I experienced this past week. But before we dive right into that story, first I'd like to welcome Micah Current. Micah, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think we need to like remember the the sitcom Mr. Welcome Back, Mr. Cotter, or whatever yes. it was. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was called? Yeah, Welcome Back, Mr. Cotter. Yeah, yeah Welcome Back. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think I think I need kind of like a theme song, like a Welcome Back, like they do in the theme song of that show. Yeah, I need I need to I need to like revamp. Like maybe that's something I have to figure out for 2023 is new theme music, special segment music that I could just insert into everything. And I know a guy that, that can do that kind of stuff. I, I know, I know, I know you know a guy. I know the I know guy, I know the guy that rides I know the guy that writes all the theme stuff for Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead. Oh goodness. Wonderful. But yeah, so Micah, it has been it has been an interesting uh, week this past week. Um, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess we'll just, I guess unless you have something you really want to share, I'll just go into my story and go. Well, I, I, have, a weird, I like, have a weird story. Oh, you do? I do. Okay. I just didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always have my telephone in my back pocket, like, which one I'm going to use today? <laughs> and I always struggle to find one. I mean, you can take this one. Just put, um, take out Scott, put Micah in there. <laughs> yes, you could just email me your your top ten for the week, and I'll just choose. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, kind of, I don't know. This could also, I think, be a, a podcast topic in and of itself. But um, we talk about weird stories and or rants uh, for the week. Um, I was at my church yesterday leading worship and um, had a good rehearsal, a good run through. Uh, actually two of my people volunteers slept through <laughs> slept through their alarms and they walked in at like 905 and rehearsal was at 8 30 so oh, that, yeah so that was you know gets thing off things off to a stressful start but I think um you know rehearsal went well and then you know we have music playing before service we have a countdown and then uh we traditionally just jump right into worship and so yesterday I brought two different guitars to, to lead from. And one of the, I, I decided like, you know, d- during, you know, the countdown that I wanted to change guitars and just use a different one. Cause I wasn't super happy with how it sounded. And so I plugged it in and I was getting ready to go. And then I usually send my team the order of service, like no later than Wednesday at noon. Like it's two, I, most days or most weeks, I'm sorry, send it out on Tuesdays. This is what we're doing. This is who's doing announcements. These are the songs we're doing, the keys. Here's the links. Here's who's speaking, um, you know, et cetera. And so um, the countdown's going off and I'm swapping out guitars and the lead pastor comes up to me and goes, hey, um, who's doing announcements? And I'm like, y'all usually figure that out because I'm, you know, I'm bivocational and I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't hold office hours traditionally at the church. And uh, I was like, well, I'm assuming this person or that person. And he was like, okay. He's like, because somebody wanted to say something at the beginning of the the service. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, great. This is going to go downhill really quickly. So um, we, 
the countdown's going off. I literally have three minutes. And then somebody else comes up to me and says, hey, I, I want to say something. When should I say it during the service? And I'm like, um, I, I, I don't know. And then pastor comes back up to me all in a span of three minutes before this countdown's getting ready to go off, before service is ready to start. Uh, can we add the the meet and greet section again to the service today? Because we, ha- we haven't done that for a couple of weeks and people were asking me about it. Mind you that the lead pastor told me like three weeks prior that um, we could just n- nix that because people meet and greet all the time before, you know, and after service and half the time they're late walking in for the first song because they're meeting and greeting and out, out in the hallway. And I guess they don't know what the definition of that is, right? I guess you have to have a formal, uh, hey, turn around and say hello to somebody this morning and tell them you're glad they're here during service. And so I'm like, okay, wh- when do you want to do that? So again, mind you, there's less than three minutes on this timer on the countdown before service is going to start. And I usually just go up and say, three, two, one, good morning, church, let's stand together and worship. And we go right into song one. Uh, I get up there. And the person who's doing announcements comes up, had no idea that they were going to do announcements then. And I said, I told the pastor, I was like, look, if you want to do it at the top, that's cool. I don't, you know, just cut them loose and we'll just get them back after, after, um, after you set them loose for, for the meet and greet time. So I'm not kidding when I say this, but the pastor who was doing announcements brought somebody up to give a testimony about how they had been, you know, healed by God because they're, you know, their cancer was in remission, which is great. Praise God. And yeah. then uh, another person just comes up out of the, out of the blue, somebody I hadn't talked to yet. Right. That morning. And they, they started talking like they, they just basically took the mic <laughs> and was like, <laughs> Hey, uh, here's this. And, you know, let's, you know, remember we got to do this, this and this and like making like a public service announcement uh, of something that they needed. And then I went back to the pastor who was doing announcements and then they cut them loose for the meet and greet. And I told my wife yesterday, do you know how incredibly hard it is as a worship leader to get people to stop shaking hands and stuff and get them into worship as soon as somebody's cut them loose? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was just weird. And I think we should do a you know a segment on that or a podcast on it at a later date. Like, is is there an appropriate time and place to do certain things? Like yeah. the order of service, uh, testimonies um uh, you know general announcements um you know xyz not yeah. three not three minutes before the service starts uh-huh. right and so and i know that's going to lead into a little bit what we're going to talk about today about things that are you know appropriate or not appropriate when yeah. you know once you time and stuff but yeah that was kind of my weird experience uh-huh. i mean worship was great like the service was great also the other thing too we have three pastors that rotate on um, teaching. Uh, and I had no idea that the associate pastor was preaching yesterday. Nobody said anything to me. And so Alicia said, it's a good thing when you prayed after worship, right before the message that you didn't say pastor so-and-so because you didn't know that they were, they weren't preaching. Cause I usually, when I pray right before the sermon, I'll yeah. say, you know, God be with pastors. He or she brings the words this morning, just anoint them and give them a new fresh word, things like that. It's a good thing I didn't say their name because <laughs> I would have, it would have been cringy because, you know, I prayed for Scott and actually Jordan's preaching today. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it would have been super awkward. So anyway, that was kind of like my weird story. What about you? Yeah. So, um, so my story kind of going along with, you know, when things should be done and, and our topic about, you know, 
sermon illustrations and the appropriateness of what is allowed, what shouldn't be allowed. So it was probably the beginning of last week. I would say maybe it was Monday, like Monday evening. I, I'm, I'm browsing through TikTok. And again, through TikTok, there's a lot of stuff I see is not only stuff that's like trending, but sometimes there's a lot of things with like Christian music and sometimes these like little like ministry help things like how to do this how to do that and then there's also stuff where i get like these little like you know your your soundbite sermons so i'm going through and there's this guy and i don't i can't even tell you who it was or what church this person was at but this pastor's up there and he has his phone and he's talking about and really his whole point was about you know finding purpose or understanding your purpose and he does this sermon illustration where he talks about how he downloaded Tinder, which, again, if you don't know what Tinder is at this point, it's a dating app. And not only did he download it, he set up a profile, a legit profile. And then he instead of, you know, saying he's interested in men or women, he's he's interested in everybody at this point. And he, he tells his church this. And then he starts talking. Then he says he starts swiping people and he starts reading their profiles and here's the thing um he basically says okay here's here's sherry and you know she's a pisces and she likes dogs and and he's reading these people's profiles on stage during a message and basically as he's and he's doing this and the whole point is he's talking about purpose and yet for me, I'm thinking this is a huge red flag because A was this guy know, married? Did you notice if he was married or not? I think he was married. Okay. I mean, I couldn't tell you, but even if he wasn't married and he was single and he was talking doing dating stuff, that's fine. But the fact that he's using a dating device to A talk about purpose, but B, he's kind of exposing people. Well, and, and himself. And himself with all these different things about finding purpose. And it was just so cringy. Like I couldn't even, I mean, I really couldn't get into the brass tacks of everything he was saying and the nitty gritty details because I was just sitting here and my shoulders are literally rising above my head because I'm just like, uh, uh, uh. And I just thought that was so, because I guess, you know, and this is kind of when we get to the topic today about sermon illustrations, when to use them what's allowed, what's not allowed, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and kind of an ethic of using sermon illustrations. A lot of things that I was taught and some of the things that I told that you should not do, I just felt like all the things you shouldn't do were all packaged up in that moment. Well, also, you felt, illustrations. also, you felt the need to send it to me immediately after you watched it. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I mean, maybe <laughs> but, well, I sent it to you because I'm thinking, okay, this is cringe. And I think I even wrote, like, dude, this is cringe. And it's I remember bad. it was like a second opinion, like, okay, maybe, you know, I'm I'm older than you by like a couple years. Maybe I'm in that older millennial thing where I'm just like out of touch with normal society. But I'm thinking there there's so many ways and so many different illustrations you could have used to talk about finding one's purpose. And not using Tinder as your sermon illustration. Yeah, and I think too, like you know, it, I, I would totally agree with you that I watched it and I was like, "Is this ever going to end?" Like mm -hmm. it, it, it was so bad, and I'm like, 
I just never in my wildest dreams would would do that, right? Like, A, I think it's inappropriate if you're married. B, I think it's inappropriate that you're calling people out from the pulpit. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about the pulpit being such a sacred space. Mm-hmm. And then C, um, I want to be at the next elders meeting that they have. <laughs> oh. talking, about, talking, about the, talking about that sermon or recapping that sermon. Well, I think the fact is, is that out of everything that God taught about to kind of clip to share on the church's social media sites and their TikTok page, that was it. That was the highlight. Yeah. Which to me, if that's the highlight, then that's not good. Uh, right. So I guess I guess the question is, is you know, when it comes to sermon illustrations, what is appropriate? What's like a good moral or even like a good ethic when it comes to using sermon illustrations to kind of help drive home a point you're making? I most I hope that you're using scripture, uh, but you know if you're preaching from the Bible and you're using scriptures and you're trying to bring a modern day illustration to kind of help add a extra layer or an accent to the topic that you're preaching on, like what would be what would I guess what would be a good ethic? Well, here's a good thought: use the Bible, right? Like, yeah, you know, and a couple things you know, a couple of illustrations come to mind. Like uh, if you're having trouble having children or if you're, you know, having the the conversation of like, should we have children? Should we not? Can we, you know, are we even able to have children? Are we not like, think of, think of Abraham and Sarah, right? They were like 90 years old and, you know, God ended up blessing them. Right. And so like, it says that in the book of Genesis, right? So like, I think you don't have to get super graphic with the fact that uh, they weren't able to conceive, but then God, you know, promise that they were going to uh, have a child, you know, have children, you know, it might've been later in life. However, um, it happened and God blessed. Um, uh, another example, uh, Joshua, you know, Joshua one nine, that scripture is always, you know, you know, quoted, uh, be strong and courageous. Right. And so like, mm-hmm. think about courage, think about being a leader, think about having the courage to be a strong leader and using that as an illustration. Um, you know, there are, there are just so many examples in the Bible of like, you know, this is the the ability that, you know, that's the word of God. It's the word of God that, you know, God has entrusted us with to preach and communicate every week. And so, um, but I also think that there's real life circumstances and real life examples that we can use today in today's society to, to help illustrate the points that we're trying to make and help it be a little bit more relatable without exposing uh, people's personal business. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think the scriptures is a good thing. Like even just this past Sunday, um, you know, the, the the pastor here was talking, was been going through um, the Sermon on the Mount and got to the teaching of oaths. And, and at the end of the and at the end of the you know Jesus is preaching. At the end, he says, you know, yet your let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Anything else is, you know, from the evil one. And you know, use the scriptures and then and then kind of even use sermon um, illustrations by just using statistics. You know, you know, a lot of people interviewed, you know, about lies or maybe even people telling lies or being dishonest and kind of saying, like, you know, that percentage is high. And and even looking at other things where people say, well, this is dishonest. And then you really people say like things like, oh, like 
these type of people are corrupt or this type. And then you look at statistics and go, well, yeah, that either proves yes or it proves no. And, and so I thought it was really good as they went through and talked about, um, you know, using kind of statistics to kind of help illuminate a little bit more of what Jesus is saying that, yeah, you know, if because if you're being dishonest and then they're more likely intentionally being dishonest um, and not telling the truth or maybe intentionally fudging details just so that you can kind of get your way or get your approval or whatever the case may be. Like if you're doing that, then that begins to start to eradicate kind of a moral fabric of society um, and it starts to deteriorate trust. And I think when you're using sermon illustrations, especially within scripture, you know, we have to not only exegete it correctly, but then even if you're going to add something extra, you have to make sure it kind of fits mm. with the story or fit with what you're talking about. Um, and I think that's a good ethic. I think another good ethic, um, especially when it comes to using people's stories, um, one of the things that I was always taught, like if you're praying, let's say you're counseling somebody, and let's say I'm counseling a couple who, when they first came to me, they just were like literally Homer Simpson, Bart Simpson, hands around the throat, like that's their marriage. And then after a course of, you know, a couple months, they're now, their marriage has been completely transformed and is stronger than ever. And, you know, if I want to kind of talk about this um, sermon illustration about God re restoring and transforming and even like marriages, and that's kind of like my topic on Sunday. I mean, as a pastor, I could easily just share that story and kind of even make it anonymous. But I think in some ways, you know, even if I make it anonymous or I get or I'm only going to use names, I think it's a right for me to be able to say, hey, I'm preaching a sermon on marriage. Is it OK if I use your story? Yeah. Is it okay? And, and even be specific, like even even before, like when we had the um, when we had the mail thing, and I said, "Hey, I even asked the person, can I share your story on my podcast?" And then I talked with them on the phone and got more details. And I said, "Here's exactly what I'm going to say. I'm going to be very brief. I'm not going to get into all the details. Here's what I'm going to say." And they and they said, "Yeah, you can share my story." Mm -hmm. And I think that's I think that's in some ways is very important that you know you got to use you know, kind of get permission, which I think, which made the video that I talked about earlier so cringy to TikTok is that this person, I mean, this is not fake profiles that he's reading off. He's reading everything about this person that put on their profile to a broader audience. And one may argue like, well, yeah, but if someone's using Tinder, they're going to see the profile. So it's kind of being broadcast, but yeah, but it's not, it's between that one person looking at the profile, maybe if someone wants to share it with a couple of buddies or a couple of girlfriends and show like, Hey, what do you think about this guy and his profile just to get, you know, that's different than, Hey, I'm sitting in a church of 20, 30, hundreds of people. And I'm reading your dating profile live in front of a live studio audience. And it's being recorded and being put on all our social media as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great point that, you know, you, you, you brought up the fact that, uh, you know, clearing that with people before you, you know, broadcast it, you know, 
because some of that stuff is legit trauma, whether, you know, like you talked about marriage, right? Like some of the people that go through really t hard times in their marriages, and I'm not saying that everybody, you know, has the perfect marriage, or I, I certainly don't have a perfect marriage. And, and Scott, you probably would say the same thing. But like, if you're having trouble, you don't want to broadcast that to the world. Uh, and literally, and in, in, in 2022, as we joked about earlier, when we were jumping on this call, like, it's 2022, right? So like, there's a lot of stuff that gets broadcasted on the internet, because you know, the majority of churches are streaming to some sort of streaming platform, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or their website or all of the above at the same time. Um, you just have to be careful with that kind of thing because mm -hmm. it, it's a confidentiality thing. And and from somebody like you, you've shared with your counseling background, that's, you know, you're, you're playing with fire to be, to be frank. Um, and another thing, like it, it you really have to toe the line with this whole, like, I, I want to be the coolest pastor because, you know, I'm talking about cutting edge stuff. And I'm like, well, you can be relatable, but you can also do it in a way that you're not breaking that confidentiality. Yeah. And, and I think, and you bring up a good point about trying to be the cool pastor. Cause I think there's a lot of times in ministry where it's like, well, we have to be the most dynamic pastor or we have to be the most coolest pastor. And especially if you're not that person, and you feel like that that's going to bring me success is by talking about having a dating profile on Tinder or being completely transparent about all your stuff and your family stuff. And I mean, I can remember, um, I can remember just even like with like, and Micah, maybe you, you could probably relate to this more than I can, but you know, how many times have as a kid, you sit there in service and then your dad tells a story and he's talking about you yeah, I was gonna bring that up today, but I didn't. You beat me to it. <laughs> but but I mean, but I mean, I know other pastor kids who I've talked to where you know they said that was one of the things that they hated about going to church is that sometimes their mom or dad would bring up stuff about them as a kid, and they just felt like they kind of felt embarrassed about it. And I mean, I think in in some cases, like I mean, my kids are little, like eight and four. But still, like, if I want to share a cute story about my daughter, I'm going to ask her, I'll say, hey, can I can I share the story about, you know, you and painting the unicorn? And if they say yes, yes. And if he says, if she says no, daddy, then I'm not going to do it. And even sometimes on stage, sometimes I can, I have my notes, but sometimes something may pop in my head. And it's like, ooh, this is a great illustration that has to involve my son. If I didn't get his permission or even if he's in kids time and he's downstairs and he knows he's not going to hear it me say it and it's like oh well i can share the story because he's not in a room well you share a story about your kids and they may not be in the room and then once they're out and then everyone at church is going oh your dad told this cute story about you like it's like huh like so i think in some ways you know you got to make sure you have at least for me i feel like that there's some good it shows respect, you know, and even though it's like, well, my kid's eight or my kid's four, you know, it doesn't really matter. Well, no, it, it does matter. It does matter for them, you know, because maybe, maybe because if you're telling a story and then all the other kids hear about it, then they're going to be like, oh, hey, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, you know, kids are weird. And I mean, even like just seeing like the changes in some of my kids, you know, some stuff, which I don't think would bother them, bothers them. Sometimes they get uncomfortable and they bother them. It's like, okay, well, obviously something about this is 
making you upset, even if it's just me joking around or kidding about something. And it's like, okay, well, something's going on there. So, so what is it? So, yeah, I think that has to be a good ethic of making sure you have permission, especially if you're going to use real life examples. And even if you're going to tell stuff about your marriage, make sure you check your, with your wife. Because you don't want to say something, and the next thing you know, your wife goes, hey, I think you're a little bit too transparent, almost to the point where it's like, you know, I don't want church people knowing about all our business or or the argument we had about the brand of cat litter at Target, you know? Like, no one, I don't know if you've ever had those fights having owning cats. Um, No. But I... <laughs> But like, I think you're right. Like I grew up a pastor's kid. I've been pretty open with that about being a pastor's kid on the show, Um, you know, and and growing up and thinking about that, you know, now that we're having this conversation, I don't know that my dad ever asked me. Yeah. Um, And as I shared before we started recording, you know, Mm -hmm. having a conversation recently with my dad uh, that wasn't the most pleasant and we won't go into those details. Um, I feel like it's rare that my dad asks me now. Yeah. Ask me how I'm doing. How's work? How's life? How's this? How's that? I I think it's a generational thing too. But again, it, it could be either side of that generation because in that video, that pastor that was super cringy, I mean, he couldn't have been late twenties, early Mm thirties, at least just from looking at him on that video. Uh, But you know, it, I think it goes, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in larger ministries or larger churches, but like my dad's always pastored smaller churches. And so like, it's, um, you know, that could be a whole separate conversation, Scott, but like it, it's super common in small churches for things like that to just be okay. And people, everybody just cuts up and everybody thinks it's okay. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you wonder why churches aren't growing. You wonder why churches, people are leaving your church. Uh, well, maybe you should reevaluate the way you <laughs> do things such as communicate from the pulpit and the illustrations that you're using. And, and and I think even like with, you know, and sometimes I think, you know, I always think back to, I think it was Carl Barth who would always say like, you know, when a pastor's preaching, he must have the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other, uh-huh. um, you know, to be able to talk about, you know, use the scriptures and kind of shine that in the light of kind of the culture, the times that you're in. And, you know, I'm, I'm and just going back to that sermon. If I want to talk about purpose very easily, I could just say, I mean, think about, you know, dating or when you're on a date or even if you're someone who is like on dating profiles or understands what dating profile is, you could say, I mean, what do people put on their dating profiles or what do people talk about when they're on a date? They talk about their jobs. They talk about they're kids, but no one, very rarely does anybody ever talk about their purpose. Yeah. What I mean, what that I mean, that was how that was like 30 seconds. I got that point across in 30 seconds. And I mean that video was probably at least a minute long, a minute yeah. of cringe. And I didn't expose anybody. I didn't I didn't expose myself either, saying like, hey, I mean, if you're on a dating app or if you go out on dates or speed dating or Christian dating, you talk to people, you get to know them, but very rarely do you ever talk about purpose. What's your purpose in life? What is it that you want to succeed? What's something that's very impactful for you? What what keeps you going? What keeps you moving when 
things go off the rails in your life? Like, what's that one thing that gives you a sense of purpose? You don't share that stuff. You share about what your favorite movie is and where do you like to go get, what, how do you take your coffee? Um, you know, are you a dog or cat, boxers or briefs, you know, whatever the case may be. But very rarely we talk about purpose. And that I think you can kind of, and I mean, I get the cutting edge of, hey, let's use Tinder. Let's, I get that. I get that that's appealing. And I don't think that might be a good idea because it's a good illustration. But I think that's why sometimes it's very good that even when you have good illustrations, go back over it. Go back over your sermon. Go back over your message. And then just frankly say, okay, is there any way that I could make this sermon less? And even like we talked about it before. You know, especially like the idea of, you know, that people are being, when we talked about, you know, your message being too political or whatnot, you know, you have an elder board. Check with them. I mean, if you're married, give it to your spouse. Hey, what do you think about my message? Can you go over it real quick? And if there's something where she's, your spouse says, hey, I think this might be a little cringe or this might be a little bit too transparent, might want to tone it back down or even they may say hey did you get permission from mike and jenny to share the story even though it's anonymous and you're not going to say their names they will be there and you don't want to you know and maybe even if you make it anonymous they still may feel uncomfortable that you're sharing their story even though you're not sharing their name yeah um and they kind of take it a step deeper what are your thoughts about you know like i've shared recently that we've been going through and listening to the uh the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Yeah. Um, and we hadn't, you know, I know you did a whole series on that on your show, but um, what, what are your thoughts on like illustrations without using people's names, but people know who it is? Yeah. That's, and I think that's kind of where I'm getting back. Like, Cause Driscoll, Driscoll did that. Oh, he, a lot. He did that a lot. And I think that's what, and that's it. And even just, and that's, I think that's a good point. I think if you haven't listened to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, um, I'd have to remember what episode that was where they explicitly talk about. But even people talking about that, they're very clear as far as like, oh, they're talking about us. They're talking about us, even though they're not saying it's us. I mean, even, I mean, you mentioned it. Well, your friends, when they went back to that church and they were called out and, sure. and from the pulpit anonymously. And, I mean, you could even watch a lot of those videos of Greg Locke where he's not necessarily calling people out by name, but he's calling people out anonymously. And it's like yeah, that makes people feel uncomfortable and it makes and it doesn't communicate love. And I think it also communicates disrespect, too, that. You know, this person's not willing to respect me enough to actually come to me. And I think a lot of that stems from, do you actually have a relationship with the people that you're shepherding? Yeah. Because if, you, if, you're, if you're talking to people just so you can get information from them, so you could use a sermon illustration material, but you're not really genuinely connecting with them or even have the audacity to just really ask them, hey, or even if there's an issue... Don't air your grievance there on the pulpit and make it anonymous. But if you have an issue with them, it doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, go and air their public stuff out in front of everybody to the church. But no, go to them quickly. Go to them privately and discuss those topics. Discuss those things. Well, I, and if I, not, I think, yeah. 
were you gonna sorry no, I meant, no I go ahead no you're fine no, that's kind of uh, end of it okay cool um kind of piggybacking off what you said about elders and and getting some other opinions about stuff where you think it may or be controversial or may not um another great example of that i think of uh, jordan our friend jordan um jordan is a youth pastor at chartel church of god in oklahoma city um his lead pastor is steve childs and something at jordan shout out to jordan uh he um recently shared with me that steve his lead pastor is challenging him to write his sermons rewrite his sermons and rewrite his sermons again um and steve steve's a great communicator, mm-hmm. great author, leader, pastor. And I think, and Jordan shared this with me. So it's not like I'm, you know, <laughs> it's not like I'm breaking our whole point of this podcast conversation, yeah. but like, he, you know, yeah. Jordan has shared this with me and Jordan's even, you know, sent me outlines. Jordan has sent me videos of him preaching over the last couple of weeks and, it, you know, for his, his youth group. And, you know, he's like, I think I'm getting better. And he's like, I think a big part of that is because I, uh, I'm doing my, you know, what my lead pastor's asking of me. I'm writing my sermon, I'm rewriting my sermon, and then I'm rewriting it again, and then I'm going to go share it with Steve before I preach it to my my teenagers. And so he says, A, it, it holds me accountable. B, I get better at writing sermons, and then C, I've, I'm studied up by the time I actually communicate it to my audience. So uh, it's just, I think mm-hmm. it's a great practice. Just you know, not just like not just when you think it's controversial. But like, and and in all aspects of, of your ministry, and and again, I don't, I've, I've probably preached 10, 10 times in my ten years of, of mm-hmm. ministry, you know, because I've done the creative arts thing instead of being a lead teaching pastor. So, yeah. um, Scott, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? No, I think that's great. Like, even like when I write my sermon, like I can knock out a sermon on Monday. My sermon's done Monday, so I go into office Monday, and I just spin there and I brainstorm and I knock out my sermon Monday. And then the rest of the days, if I'm not rewriting it, a lot of times I'm just communicating it over and over again, just making sure I have it. If something doesn't flow well, or if I feel like something's not being communicated right, I go back, I make changes, or if I feel like it doesn't fit where I thought in my mind writing it, and then hearing how it sounds, I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound good, then I change it. And sometimes, you know, if I'm really unsure on the point I'm trying to make, I feel like I don't communicate, then I go, okay, you know. I'll go to my wife, Lauren, and say, hey, I, I'm, here's the point I'm getting across. I don't think I'm getting this point across on this. And she'll read through it, and she'll say, okay, well, explain it to me. And I'll start to explain it. She goes, okay, do this. That point's good. I don't think your connection from here to here, there's something missing there. Or she might say, I know you. this is a great illustration, but it doesn't fit with this. So you have to find a new illustration to connect with that. Or, I mean, there's been times where, like, if I'm preaching, like, a lot of times if I have to preach, like, tithing or financial things, I think one time I was using an example, and I, I sent it to my dad because my dad's, like, a financial guru. I sent it to him, and he's just like, yeah, no, like, don't use that. Don't use that biblical example because it's communicating. You may think it might be communicating your point but it's actually going to communicate something a lot worse and it's probably going to alienate a lot of people. So don't do it. I'm like, Oh, all right. Well, he's very blunt with me. So I'm like, all right. So whoop, <laughs> well, that also has to do with like the space you're in. Like you yeah. shared a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Halloween stuff, like the, the area that you're in that you live in now, Scott, is that, you know, primarily Jewish Orthodox. And so like, yeah. 
they don't really celebrate Christmas like you're used to. So like yeah. they're they're all gung ho about Halloween, right? So like to to the point of the the tithing situation or the tithing conversation when you're writing a sermon, you know, you may not want to to preach tithing if you're in a socioeconomic place where where people are getting laid off left and right, the living situations aren't good, people are living in poverty, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta you gotta know your audience. Um yeah. and you know, and I was just thinking as you were talking about like you're talking more specifically to preaching and and the illustrations and asking your spouse, you know, a lot of times in the worship, and this is from a worship leader's perspective, I, I'm very intentional about the songs I pick, why I pick them and what I think I'm going to do. But every Sunday after, after service, I get in the car and I ask my wife, how do you think that went? What would you change? You Mm -hmm. know? So like the next time I go to do it, I can improve on it. Um, or I ask people that I trust and I, and I really value their opinion and I'll send them a video of me leading or, uh, you know, just ask their opinion on what I could do different or what I could do better. Um, it, I think it boils down to just accountability. Um, and mm-hmm. that goes in all aspects of ministry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, and I think, you know, there's a lot of great, points we're talking about so just to kind of even just quickly summarize them before we kind of close this out you know make sure if you're going to use real life people or real life situations you know first if you're going to use real life people make sure you get permission from them and don't go the whole even if you want to go the anonymous route too make sure you get permission from the source you're using it so that way they felt like that they have a contribution to it too um i would say it's like it's like writing a paper and citing your paper yeah, yeah. Make sure you cite your sources. And even if they want to remain anonymous, you can still say, oh, there's a couple I know. But at least you let you let Mike and Kim know that you're going to share their story and they gave the approval and you're just but they wanted to keep it anonymous. So at least you're showing respect to the source material. Um, also, just make sure that make sure your stuff's appropriate and just double check and triple check and just kind of make sure. And, and again, you have a sounding board to do that. You if you're married, you have a spouse that can. If you have a good, if you have other pastors in ministry, other friends in ministry, say, "Hey, can you can you check this? Um, can you check this sermon? Make sure it's not too cringe." And then, and then because here's the thing, and I think it goes back, like Michael, you said earlier when I shared that story, that TikTok story. Man, I'd like to be in that uh, elder board meeting. If you go to that elder board meeting and there's some issues, and you as a pastor says, "Well, hey, I wrote my sermon, I rewrote it three times." I had my wife check it. I had some other pastors in the area in my ministry check it. And the consensus was, is everything, everything sounds good. Everything's great. So I think, and then maybe, and if there, then maybe that might be the conversation where, well, you didn't check with the sounding board. And then you can say, okay. And then you check with that. And maybe you need to check with them. And maybe that's kind of like, where you're going to have a clue as far as, okay, is this sounding board going to be a help or, or are they going to be a hindrance? And you're going to find that out very quickly, but just kind of avoiding them, especially if they have an issue with, you know, you mentioned dating profiles or something, then you have to, you know, then you're going to, then you're going to kind of know a little bit about, okay, you know, what, what do I need to do with my, elder board to kind of get them into a good leadership thing so that they could operate the way I need them to operate to help me 
better teach and better serve the congregation. Or maybe it's like, well, this is, I'm going to be micromanaged and this isn't the place for me and kind of figure that out pretty quickly. So I think there's a lot of good ethics. And I think, but I think the big thing is get permission and always have someone double check your work and then also have someone else, a trusted person, check yourself as well. And I think if you can do that, then you're going to have a pretty good, sorry, a pretty good, um, a pretty good rounded base to be able to do. And then that way you have at least a little bit of a shield. So then in case if anybody, whether it's a congregant or a leader or somebody else is going, Hey, your sermon was cringe or that example was cringe. You might say, okay, you know, listen to them, talk to them, be respectful for to hear their point of view. And then just kind of say, you know, that's a good point. I had, I had, I had these people double check my sermon and everyone was fine with it. And not saying like, oh, everybody's fine with it. So, <laughs> but <laughs> everybody was fine with it, but we didn't see it from this point of view. So that might be something to do. And then I think even in that way, if someone did have an issue, at least they see that you put in a lot of work um, to, to be able to look at everything and go, okay, at least they did their work. At least they're very thoughtful with how they do. And even though I didn't like the illustration, I thought it was a little distasteful or whatnot, at least there was a process and I can respect the process. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, friends, that's going to do it for us today. So I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and tune in next week when we have another episode. Take care. Mm -hmm.